you know, you, you can't build anything alone. Look at anybody who has built something. You can't build it alone. You have to know how to work with people. You have to really have people that see into your vision. I'll tell you, never signing long-term contracts. I wish people would listen to this more. It, it, it's a shame to me. If somebody can deliver on their service, you're not going to cancel. People and companies that want to sign long-term contracts are doing it because they know that they can't deliver. And when once you realize that, then you're going to cancel. So they want to lock you into long-term contracts. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Michael McHale from Stratton Equities. And today we're learning lessons in entrepreneurship from a non-qualified mortgage or hard money lender. That's what Michael and his business do. They're in the hard money and non-qualified mortgage business. And today we're digging into the lessons that Michael learned in starting this business and prior businesses that he had before getting into the hard money space. Life lessons that he learned prior to getting into the space and then other businesses as well. A lot of great lessons in this one. If you're out there building your own real estate business, building your own lending business, I know there are a few of you out there doing that, then listen to those who have taken the path before you. Learn their lessons in entrepreneurship, and that will help propel you further along. Every interview like this where I take lessons away and apply them to my own business help propel me further. And I know that will work for you as well. So a lot of great lessons in this one from Michael. Appreciate him coming on the show. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate, specifically in apartment building and self-storage syndications. If you're interested in learning more and potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call with me. I will look forward to speaking with you then. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because it helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please do share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. No matter what podcast app you use, if you haven't done so yet and you enjoy the show, take a moment, look us up and hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, our guest today is Michael McHale. And today we're digging into lessons in entrepreneurship from a hard money lender slash non-qualified mortgage lender. So without any further ado, here we go. Michael, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Been a great conversation so far. I'm really excited to continue. You wow. have uh, a lot of great stories and, and background. I love your energy. For our listeners out there who don't know about you, your business, and your background, could you give us an intro? Tell us about what you do and where you come from. Sure. So I'm the founder and CEO of Stratton Equities. We're a nationwide direct private money lender. Uh, we're lending 43, next month between 44 states. And we specialize in investment and commercial finance. Awesome. Great. And, you know, really like to dive into your entrepreneurial background and history and you know knowledge that drove you to start this business and has helped propel your success as a, a private money lender. So let's dive into that and you know dig into your I guess your start as an entrepreneur. If there's somewhere else you want to kick it off, we can start there instead. Off the bull in your court. 
Absolutely. So tell us about the the start of yourself as an entrepreneur and, you know, getting going. I mean, I've always, you know, you know what's funny? If it, I look at the backstories of a lot of successful people. And if you look at them, and, and there's always a lot of common denominators that most people in society don't really see. Most of them were very bad students. If you really look into it, they were very bad students, you know, from super successful comics to Jay-Z to, you know, you name it, they were bad students. They had like, I have ADHD. I, I couldn't, sit in class. I was, I was, couldn't sit still, which helped me in my career tremendously. But I've always been very creative of thinking, not really just how to make money, but just things I was passionate about. And I tell people, it's not about the money. You can't, you can't say, I want like, like Elon Musk didn't go say, I want to make all this money. It was what he was passionate about, what he did and what he had a, a, a knack for. If you don't truly love something, you can't do it 18 hours a day, seven days a week. And I tell people, if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, you know, that's what's going to take for years and years and years, 18 hours a day, seven days a week. If you're not willing to do it, then just don't do it. You know, one of the first things, you know, I went to high school in the 90s, which you couldn't do these days, but I would sharpen knives for students and teachers. They'd bring me knives, like literally the, the woodshop teacher, my bath teacher, people's parents would literally bring knives. You couldn't do that. These days, you'd get arrested. They bring knives and shovels and 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 chisels and axes to school. And I was 15 years old, and I would take all these knives home. And I've always loved sharpening knives. I was very good at it. So I was sharpening like 50 cents a knife. And I was like 14, 15 years old. And you know that was one of the things that I you know I did. My first actual business was in Jacksonville, Florida. It was a car wash, a hand car wash attached to a gym. I really loved the car wash industry at that time. You know, one day I think I'll get back into it when I go back down to Florida. But I've always, I've always been very passionate and very. It was never like, oh, I want to make all this money. Even though I was always hungry to be successful, I just love things. I dive right into it, and I, I do it like. 18 hours a day, seven days a week. Like, I don't stop, you know? And I, I'll tell you a story when we get to it about about that, what I call the squirrel story. And I'll, 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 I'll get to that story in a minute. <laughs> okay, okay. I want to make sure we uh, stick a, a pin in that. So you were telling me before we were recording that one of your top traits in, in real estate and entrepreneurship is, you know, aggression. That's what helps you be successful is being aggressive in your business. And real estate in particular is a very people and network driven business. I mean, your network is your net worth. We hear that you know, left and right. And that's certainly been the case in my experience. How do you balance being aggressive with also you know, maintaining relationships with investors and not turning that aggression into uh, an interpersonal negative impact, if that makes sense? took a long time. Again, I have my beliefs and my beliefs are if you're going to be in big business, if you're a little lamb, they're going to rip you apart. Everybody, no matter what business you're in, right, is wants their pound of flesh. You know, everybody wants to rip you off. Everybody wants to throw you a long-term contract so that they, which that's a rule of mine. I never sign long-term contracts. I don't care who it is. Even with my cable company, I don't do long-term contracts. Fastest way to, to get yourself, to get yourself sued. One of the fastest ways, man. So, you know, it took a long time when I was much younger. I was, uh, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I'm still that aggression, but I've, I also deal with, how do I say, people that are also kind of on that level who appreciate it, you know, who understand that it's business. You know, I've, I've surpassed the, the place where I'm dealing with emotional people 
people that are very sensitive, you know, those are the people that are on the lower end. I haven't dealt with them in four, th three or four years um, in any capacity. So, yeah, but I mean, I just don't believe you can really become successful in business if you're not a savage. Obviously, in, in the right way, you're not running around beating people up. But in business, you have to stand your ground. When I was very young, a billionaire told me, if you want to be successful, you have to be selfish for yourself. And I've seen people that are not successful. One of the reasons they're not is that they're not selfish for themselves. People, family, friends, this and that. People want attention. People want to ask you for money. Like even Grant Cardone, which I'm not a fan of his, but he goes, you know, when I was coming up, if my mom asked me for $100,000, even though I had it, I wouldn't give it to her. You know, now the guy was a billionaire and I'm the same thing. You know, my when I was coming up, I, I couldn't give somebody money, no matter who you were, no matter what the, 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 the what the reason was. You know, it was me, and I had to become successful, and I had to do what I had to do. You know, now you know, I literally give my mom more than she can ever ask for. But when I didn't have the money and every dollar counted, nobody got a dollar from me. You know, you have to be selfish for yourself. People will constantly want your time, your energy, your money, your focus, your this, your that. And if you're just handing it out to them, they're just using you. Well, absolutely. I mean, we've we, I've spoken with many successful investors and l heard this lesson left and right. But most of the successful people out there will say they say no far more often than the, than they say yes. I think Bill Gates is big on that, as is Warren Buffett. Now, I really want to dig into your experience of hitting rock bottom before starting this business as well. And you're telling us about that experience and we'll talk about, you know, climbing out of the hole and getting to where you are now. And that's where the squirrel story comes into place. So I, after the crash of 2008 and nine, you know, we all have growing pains. You know, I was in my late twenties. We all have to go through our own battles in life, not always financial, sometimes mentally and emotionally. So I had a lot of growing pains and a lot of mental and emotional things that I had to get through um, which is all part of the journey, right? You know, you have to love the journey. And I always promote that, that, you know, actually I heard, I, I heard a saying yesterday from a guy, I was watching um, an interview, some of the, the top 10 richest. And he said, I had all the misfortunes in my life to aim me for success. And I love that quote, right? People who go through hardship generally are the, come the most successful. You know, Elon Musk was living in, you know, for a dollar a day, but most of them were homeless, they lived in their car, you know, they went hungry and that's what propels you to the next level. So I actually left the U.S. Uh, March 12, 2012. I literally had no money. I sold some gold that I had that my mom gave me when I was younger. I pocketed $3,900. I packed three luggages and just jumped on a one-way ticket overseas, stayed in a hostel, for $10 a night and got myself to Dubai in 2013, thinking it was a whole different story than it really was. And I was dead broke. Like I had no job. Um, I was never a good employee. I'll tell you that much. I mean, I was okay, but you know, I've always been, I've always just not, I'm not a good listener about people. <laughs> I want to do it my way. And that's not a good employee. So in the Middle East, especially, you can't do it your way. It doesn't work like that. So I really couldn't get my foot off the ground and I was living for 14 months on a floor, uh, not even a bed because the floor was cheaper, with seven guys in a one bedroom. That was rough. And then I just got even more <laughs> broke and I got evicted from the floor. So I remember I was sitting in a Starbucks, couldn't buy coffee, I didn't have any money. I'm sitting in a Starbucks and I have three luggage out you know, with me and I'm going through my phone. I'm like, where am I going to sleep tonight? Where am I going to go? And I remember I met this American sailor, like some expat 
networking event or something. And I texted him and randomly he goes, yeah, I'm going on leave. Just come stay at my place for a couple of months. So I literally for like years was like a hermit crab, like hopping to people's couches and I'd meet people at events. And I remember I was in one country where I'm not kidding. Somebody, I met that, I met this family that day and they let me sleep on their couch that night. Like if they didn't, and, and that would never happen, you know, here, but they were extremely nice and they let me stay for a while. And I pretty much just leapfrogged from place to place to place. Well, here wow. for a couple of months, I stepped here. I was, you know, but, you know, I was, um, you know, at the end of most months, I didn't have money to eat. So I'd steal almonds. I'd literally go to a grocery store and steal like two kilos of almonds, which I'm proud of it, but I had to eat. You know, I couldn't eat. Like I couldn't buy a cup of coffee. Like, like I love coffee. I think like three, four coffees a day. I couldn't even buy a cup of coffee because oh, I had to every penny of my budget. You know, I couldn't just, ah, I mean, just buy this here, me buy this here. So it was so regimented on what I spent and I still didn't have enough money at the end of the month. So yeah. So you know, I'll cut to the end of the story. I ended up coming back to the U S um, in 2000, sometime 2017. I don't remember to be honest with you. And I got the idea of a vitamin company. I always said, you know, I can do it better. So I saw these like online, like supplement brands and like shreds and all these things. And I thought I can do it better. I can make a better product, which I did because I, I, I know vitamin that used to compete and train for years. So I actually formulated and had in a lab with the money that I got a vitamin brand. And I didn't understand, I, I, I wasn't who I am now in business. I didn't understand when you have a product, how much money it costs to brand and market that product for the consumer to hit purchase, right? Because when you're dealing like what I do in the mortgage world, People are applying, they're talking to a salesperson, which is a loan officer, and they're working it out together, and then they go to the next stage. When you have an online brand and you, all you have is a website, there's no salesperson, there's nobody to talk to, there's nobody to work with somebody to answer, answer the questions. So people have to see, you know, they say that in order for somebody to make a purchase, they have to go through, or a lead, which I do in my lead, in my, my mortgage world, they have to go through six to eight points of contact. So in order for somebody to commit to your product or your company or service, they generally have to go to six to six to eight points of contact. And that's why you see Apple and Mercedes, you know, branding and marketing everywhere because you see them on the billboard, you see them on here, you see them there, you see the commercial, you hear the radio. So you're getting six to eight points of contact, you know, by that brand that makes it easier for you to go and purchase. I didn't have the money to do any of that. So I got back into the mortgage world. I found a, a mortgage company and, uh, Again, thought I can do it better. I borrowed $1,000 from my mother on a credit card. I think it was the beginning of March of 2018. And it took me about six months and I launched a company with $1,000. So you mentioned the cost of marketing an online product. Would you say that is uh, comparable to the cost of developing the product itself? Is it multiples of developing the product? Or where does that fall in terms of you know, approximately you know, budgeting the, the cost to get the product to market. Again, I didn't wasn't factoring into that at that time in 2017. But I mean, if you look at brands, they spend tens and tens of millions of dollars on marketing branding, which I didn't have two dollars. So, you know, I remember I made I made the product for, you know, I made a small batch because most companies wanted ten thousand batches, a ten thousand unit batch to form because they're formulating, they're literally formulating this for you. So I found a company out of Long Island. You know, I'm very good on when I want something, I just do it, mm -hmm. do it, do it. So I found a company in Long Island that made 500 units and I got it labeled. I still have a couple of them in my kitchen somewhere. I got them labeled. It was a beautiful label and I got a website and I got Facebook and this and that. And we sold some, but I just, you know, 
if it wasn't for that company, I definitely wouldn't be where I am now. So even though that company, I lost money, but I gained a thousand times. And the people that I met, because again, I love, I don't believe in people borrowing or using a lot of money to start companies. You really don't. If you look at some of the most successful companies in the world, they were started in people's garages on a on a shoestring budget. I don't believe in you know taking out SBA loans and borrowing tens of millions of dollars. That's just not how you do it. That's not how you start a business. You don't have to do that. I don't know where this conception comes from. The most successful companies on earth started with nothing. And when you start with nothing, you're a lot smarter. You focus on how do I stretch this and how do I make this work and how am I more creative. And how do I meet the right people? You just you just work harder when you don't have a choice. But you know, if you have ten million dollars behind you, like, yeah, let me throw money here, let me throw money there, and before you know it, you're out of money. <laughs> so, at what point in that journey with the supplement company do you decide to cut and run, or just move on to the next thing, find another venture, and decide that hey, this one you know didn't work out, I have to move on, as opposed to again going back to the aggression or, or maybe call it persistence of trying to stick it out. How do, you, how do you really know that, hey, this isn't working, I need to find something else as opposed to I'm going to stick it out until it goes through? Well, I mean, I was doing, I really don't even remember, to be honest with you, how long I was doing that. It wasn't years, it was months and months. I mean, my background was mortgages. I got into mortgages in the early 2000s. So I, you know, I'm like, I have to make money, you know, which I love, you know, you got to, you got to do it. So I had to make money. I was living in my grandmother's house. I had, when I came back to the U S I had no credit card. I had no bank account. I had no money in the bank. I had virtually no credit because I haven't been here in years. I had nothing. Like I didn't financially exist in America in 2017. I had my mom got me a car you know, that I was just driving around with. I had a credit card from my mother that I was literally eating for like $10 a day if $10 a day, which is good because it kept me skinny. But, um, you know, and then in my, I, I, you know, just literally living on a credit card that soon, soon, soon enough was going to, was going to, was going to run out. And I wanted a better life, you know, uh, for the obvious reasons. So I went to work for a mortgage company. I think the mortgage company I started in, it was a commercial mortgage company. It was, I think, October or September of, of 17. And I was there, I worked just, when I do something, I just go all in. I was working like 16 hours a day, seven days a week, and I was building a pipeline and was learning, but I didn't close a single loan in that place for two months. And then I, I just met people because when I, you know, you, I just did it so much that I met people and it opened up a whole new world to me of private lending, which I didn't even know existed, you know, like six months prior. My background was in regular mortgages, which is QM loans, uh, which is what most people know about. And I went with a guy that he wanted to start a, a company and I literally went work with him. And then right before he's ready to launch it, he goes, bye-bye. He goes, I'm going to take it on my own now. Swear to God. He goes to me, it was December of, it was December of 17. I worked with him for months, setting up the office, doing this, doing that, hiring people. And then I don't know his exact words, but he goes, you know, I think I'm just going to do, do it by myself. I didn't have a contract or anything because I'm going to do it by myself. And another great thing that happened to me. So you know what? I'm going to do it. But again, everything that I did, and I want people to understand this, you, just because you didn't make money doesn't mean you didn't learn. Doesn't mean you didn't succeed. You know, the vitamin company didn't make money. I think I made a couple hundred bucks, even though it cost me thousands, which thousands is nothing for a vitamin company. But, you know, I, it got me to where I wanted to get now. You know, that venture with that, with that guy that took, well, whatever, I worked, you know, three months with him, whatever, got me also to the next stage. So, and I met one of my early mentors from that guy who was an early mentor of mine. So 
none of it was for loss. None of it. Nice. Nice. So now let's talk about, let's get into, you know, scaling and turning it, you know, turning and making the business, you know, successful and profitable and growing and uh, any big lessons that you've learned along the way that have helped you, you know, focus on the big picture or, you know, the areas where your time is most valuable and, and outsource tasks or hire people or other lessons that you've learned in the process of scaling and, and growing the business. Well, I'll tell you something. I was I went to a mortgage convention in 2004, I think, in Atlantic City, and I met. I was at at the bar in the Brigada, and I met a much older gentleman at the time. I was I was like 23, 24, and he goes, "What do you do, kid?" And I'm like, "You know, mortgages." That's what you say. What do you do? He's like 65 years old. What do you do, kid? I'm like mortgages. He goes, "No, you're not." And I'm like, "You know, what do you mean?" He goes, "If you're selling cars, do we say if you're selling cars, donuts, or tires, you're in marketing, marketing, marketing." And I never forgot that. Actually, I, I, I took a lot of bits and pieces of what people told me 20, 25 years ago, which were actually meant nothing at the time, which greatly impacted me later in my life. So I was always big on the marketing, the marketing, the marketing. Um, one thing which I'm big in and I'm a huge believer in is human capital. You know, everybody's going to technology and AI, which we use some of that, right? We do a lot of technology, but I love human capital. You have to treat the people that work with you. Like they don't work for me. I work for them. I say that every single day. They don't work for me. I work for them. You know, I'm here. I get up at four o'clock in the morning every day, four, four thirty. I was here at four forty-five, five o'clock today. You started this at seven fifteen. I was working for over two hours. I'll be here at six, six, seven o'clock at night. You know, I I I make their life easy. I do what I have to do to keep them pushing forward. I support them every single way humanly possible. You know, it really taught me how to be a better CEO, how to be a better owner, how to be more, um, I've always been respectful of people, but just more appreciative of, you know, people, you know, you, you hear about some owners, they treat people like garbage, which, you know, it's, it's not going to work. You're not going to build a company. People have to be a part of your vision to scale, right? And you can't do, when I started, you know, I, I had nothing. I had no money. I had no nothing. I just had a website and basic, you know, trying to get the ball rolling. But that's why I worked 18 hours a day. You know, now I've completely scaled and I have multiple layers under me, which frees me up to continue to do bigger and better stuff. Like I have a full-time assistant who is a lifesaver for me because she does all of the stuff that I, I would say a lot of the mundane stuff, but it frees up my schedule to do the bigger stuff, which obviously I couldn't afford, you know, three, four years ago. But um, I'm very big in the human capital and treating people the right way. And then having them, they're all part of the vision. Like they see the vision. They even come to me and tell me, I see where we're going. And they tell me how excited they are. You know, we took a major hit. You know, when COVID hit in March 2020, we were forced to shut down. We shut down from, I furloughed the whole office. We shut down from March of 2020 to August of 2020, where we were shut down. And yeah, we, we couldn't lend. You know, our lending, our capital, everything froze up. But, but I mean, tons of companies went belly up. I mean, I'm not going to name names, but a lot of companies totally went belly up. So we're lucky that we didn't. And then we started to come back, you know, in uh, August and we had nobody. We had to rehire. We had, no, we had nothing. We had to, I, I literally rebuilt the company completely from like the end of 2020 till literally January of this year. So that pretty much that little more than a year was just constantly rebuilding, rebuilding, rebuilding and tweaking and restructuring and, and implementing a lot. We implemented a lot. So you know, we're, um, it's a shame because I'd be much further along if we didn't have that year and a half of delay. But again, I learned a lot from that. Well, there were a lot, a lot of uh, unfortunate learning opportunities over the course of the last uh, two years throughout COVID. And I really appreciate that you are, you, know, you mentioned 
the the human element of your business and making sure people understand the vision, they feel appreciated in the business because I think that's one of the biggest things that gets people to stick around. You know, the actual experience of of working for you is very important. People love working here. We have a very low turnover rate, extremely low. You know, once you know people are really in and they're committed, it's very low uh, turnover rate. You know, my goal is to double the size of the company with it by the end of 2022 or beginning 2023. Um, we're going to completely double the size of the company, especially when mortgage companies are laying off left and right right now. You know, we are aggressively hiring. We're aggressively growing. I'm also looking to uh, drastically increase our product lines. I really didn't have the, couldn't work on that previously. Uh, but come April and May, I'm looking to, you know, so right now, Shrine Equity has the widest range of private money loans under one roof. I'm looking to double that. You know, to get into there's a lot of asset classes that we don't deal with just due to, you know, the way we're structured. I'm looking to change that, add a couple more states that we're not currently licensing and, and doing business in. I'm looking to tremendously grow uh, over the next six months to a year. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and Get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Michael, I've, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? If you're going to talk about sheer numbers, it would be Strand Equities. You know, I started with $1,000 and you know, we're a multi-million dollar company now. We're going to continue to grow. So if you're talking about in, you know, sheer numbers and you know, what I put in versus what I got out of it numbers-wise, then it would be Strand Equities. You know, the first investment property I bought was 2000, I think I was 19 years old. Uh, I was in Florida and I bought with hard money. But, you know, hard money was not institutionalized back then. You couldn't go to a lender and really get private money. You know, 21 years ago it didn't exist. You know, private money started with just older people that had a lot of money that retired and just lent money out to people. Uh, I was lucky enough to find somebody in Florida that wanted to do that. You know, that investment was, was big to kind of shape my future as well. Nice, nice. We had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? You know, I, it, it's hard to say because I believe that, at least in my life, I mean, maybe not everybody's, but it should have, it should that you learn from everything. So even though you didn't profit from it, you know, like the vitamin company would be a great example. I didn't really profit from it. I mean, it, the company did lose money, but my company now, Stratton Equities and who I am, would not exist if it wasn't for all those stepping stones, you know, the car wash, the knife sharpening business, to this business, to that business. I was always into, you know, trying to open up other businesses and, you know, failed at most of them one way or another, whether it was my human interaction, whether it was financially, whether it was the market, there was always something, but I've taken so much more of these steps, which I really don't think I really had a bad investment because again, it, it was all a leapfrog where we are today turning some of those situations into ultimately positives because you're learning from the experience and again uh, using that as a stepping stone to move on to the next one upward 
Exactly. So I don't, I don't consider it a loss. Totally. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Be kind to people that work with you. Right. I really, you know, you, you can't build anything alone. You look at anybody who has built something, you can't build it alone. You have to know how to work with people. You have to really have people that see into your vision. I'll tell you, never signing long-term contracts. I wish people would listen to this more. It, it, it's a shame to me. If somebody can deliver on their service, you're not going to cancel. People and companies that want to sign long-term contracts are doing it because they know that they can't deliver. And when once you realize that, that you're going to cancel. So they want to lock you into long-term contracts. That is big. Also, something that I do, no matter how much money you have, I never pay anything in full. I break everything up as much as possible because when you pay something in full, that's it. You lost your leverage. You do, they have all your money now. When you break something up into 12 consecutive payments, now you, you have them on the line, right? Because if they don't deliver, you can go, okay, I'm, that's it. I'm not paying you now. Having an Amex is, I tell any entrepreneur, you got to get an Amex. You got to stop on the other cards. You know, Platinum Amex is easy to get for disputes, especially, right? You go to any other card, like tech companies are notorious. They tell you one thing, they do something totally different. They give you a, a totally different. They promise you the world, we can do this in this day, and then it comes down to it, it never gets done. You know, big thing on, you know, you put on your Amex, if it's a legitimate dispute, you will get your money back. Try that with other cards, it'll never happen. So it's a huge, it's a huge leverage to do things on an Amex, especially if you can spend enough money, then you get a black card, because they're always on your side. Okay. Okay. I was recently traveling and one of yeah, the so people that was with me had the Amex that gets you into the Centurion clubs in the airports. And I was kind of jealous of that because it, it seemed like a, a good investment. I'd like to have access to that as well. COVID, but yeah, definitely a huge plus. Nice. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all these lessons with us. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more about you, your story or your business, and want to talk about non-qualified mortgages or anything like that, where can they track you down? StrattonEquities.com. Nice and simple. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.